Look at you looking like you're looking. You guys look good today. Look, turn to your neighbor and say, you look awesome. Turn to your other neighbor and say, hi. Depends which one you chose first. I'm just saying. That's on you. That's on you today. Well, two, March of 2008, my wife and I found ourselves on a plane headed to Grand Rapids. We were excited for the possibility of the future, but we were nervous. We left our kids behind. We didn't know what God had for us. We were coming to explore the potential future of our life. So we came to Grand Rapids. We began to look around the city. We began to get involved and see all the things that you had here. We had lunch with Pastor Sam and Pastor Brenda at Blue Ginger. Upstairs in the window. Who's ever sat there before? Yeah. Upstairs in the window, we were eating, and Pastor Sam began to share the vision of the church, the mission of the church, and he began to ask me questions like, Pastor Troy, what is your mission? What does God want you to do? What are your spiritual goals? And he began to share that. But then he broke down. He says, what's your personal goals? And he began to ask me those things, and he said, because not only do I want to help you achieve the spiritual goals that God planted inside of you, he said, but I want to help you achieve the personal goals that you have inside of you. That's the kind of pastor we have at Grand Rapids First. Come on. So after that, Pastor Sam offered us the job here as media marketing director. And we got on the plane. I was on the front of the plane. Josie was on the back of the plane. And we're both praying, asking God. We didn't give an answer right away. Not that you wasn't worthy of an answer right away. We just wanted to make sure. So we didn't give an answer right away. We got on the plane. And I'm sitting there boo-hooing on the plane. Right? I'm crying. <laughs> the lady on the side of me is like, what's the matter with you? You know, and I'm, you don't understand, you know, and I'm, I'm crying out the window and I'm like, God, I got to know you're asking me to leave everything that I know. You're asking me to move my family from everything they know, family and friends and move all the way from the bottom of the country to the top. God, is this you? And I heard him say clearer than I've ever heard him before. He said, Troy, do you trust me? He said, Troy, do you trust me? I said, yes, God, I do. He said, then let me take your places you never dreamed. And here we are 14 years later, church. 14 years later. I'm not going to lie. It was nervous. I was nervous, man, coming because we, we thought we were leaving everything that we knew. We thought we were leaving family. But God said, nope, you're not leaving family. I'm just giving you another one. Because that's what you guys have been to us, and we thank you so much for being our family in Michigan so far from home. Thank you so much. All the relationships and friendships we've built over the years have been amazing. Hey, there's a few things we like to do in Kids First before we get started with every service. By a show of hands, how many of you had an amazing week this week? Show of hands, you had an amazing week. He's like, yo, this was the best week ever, dog. This was it right there. Show of hands. How many did not have such a good week this week? It's okay. You can raise your hand. Something came up. We'll see those hands. I see those hands. We're going to pray right now that God helps you have a better week this week. Because when we enter into a service, sometimes we can get caught up thinking about last week and all the issues we had. But we're going to give it to God this morning and we're going to let him take over and he, we're going to give it to him. He's going to have it so that we can concentrate on the word and we can get into the service. Can you help me do that today? Let me pray for you. God, you see the hands that were raised. God, we thank you for those who had an incredible week. And Lord, I pray that they seek your faith this week and they continue to move in that God. They continue to search you out Lord Jesus so that they're 
week will continue to be awesome. And Lord, those who raise their hand that's going through something today, God, we give it to you this morning, Lord Jesus. We lay it at your feet, God. We're trusting you, Lord Jesus, to take the things that we're dealing with, Lord, and give us wisdom to navigate it. So next week will be incredible, God. We give it to you in advance. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Now I'm going to let y'all know, in case you haven't figured it out, I can get a little hyper. <laughs> I wear a lot of hats on Sunday. I'm just saying. I'm the pastor, the children's pastor. I'm the teacher. I'm the disciplinarian. I'm the clown. I'm the clown. I'm the clown. I'm the clown. I got a lot of hats, just different clown hats, but I got to put them off and on. So I don't know what you're going to get this morning, so just buckle up and enjoy the ride, okay? Because you don't know what's coming out. <laughs> There's, a, there's another thing we like to do every Sunday morning, Kids First, we created something called the Kids First Code. And it's something we say every week. We say it every week and the kids just scream it out. It's something that we came up with and it's all from scripture and it reminds us who God is and who we are in him, all right? So I want you to read it along with me as you watch the video on the screen. Hey yo, how many of y'all know the Kids First Code? Let's say it. God is God the creator is of everything. everything. His, His word, word is, is truth, truth and, and it, it never, never changes. changes. It, it is, is my, my light and darkness and my sword in battle. battle. God's, God's word tells me I am loved by him. him. My, my body, body is, is a temple and I am, I am his masterpiece. masterpiece. I'm, I'm set, set apart for God's purpose. purpose. His joy is my strength and I am the light of the world. Yeah, let's go. I I'm not going to lie. I still cry every week when they just shouting it out to the top of their lungs. Because there's going to be a day that they're going to need the truth. They're going to go through something and they're going to need God's word to pierce them. And they're going to remember the kid's first code. That God is the creator of everything. His word is truth and it never changes. And I can stand on the word of God. I can stand on the word of God. I am his masterpiece. Created in his image. Come on somebody. We love you Jesus. You guys are awesome. <laughs> I feel like I can say anything and you're going to clap. That's awesome. I mean, it gets first. <laughs> you guys are hype, man. I love it. I love it. Now, y'all get me jacked up now. Look out. Ah! It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I'm really not like this online campus. I'm usually reserved. <laughs> Very good. Have you ever been on a vacation? Ever been on a vacation and all the, the whole time you're on vacation, you're eating junk food, you're eating fast food. I mean, and you're going for an extended amount of time. And by the end of it, all you want is a home-cooked meal. Anybody ever been there? Anybody? I mean, something about a home-cooked meal. The ingredients we love, it's just made at home. The smells, it's the things we're used to, we're the comfort food that we get when we get at home, a home-cooked meal. Well, today I want to talk to you about some ingredients that we could use in our homes to make something incredible. God wants to use us 
to stir up our homes and make something awesome. God has a plan for us as families to use us to do some incredible things. Today, we're going to talk to parents and kids, all of us, about things that we can do to make our homes a much better place. Are you with me? If you would, turn with me to Isaiah 3, 5. Isaiah 3, 5. Just by a show of hands and for my curiosity, if you're in here and you came up through Kids First, either with Pastor, T- Pastor Tim, myself, another children's pastor, anybody show me your hands if you came up through Kids First. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Come on, Jesus. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you. That is incredible. Isaiah 3, 5. In case you haven't noticed, our culture is divided. I don't know if you noticed that. If not, you need to look because it's divided. But it's not anything new. It's not anything new. I mean, if we look in Isaiah 3, 5, it says this. It says people will oppress each other. Man against man, neighbor against neighbor, the young will rise up against the old, the nobody against the honored. This chapter describes how the corrupt leadership brought about the collapse of the social condition of Jerusalem and contains Isaiah's prophecy. For the sin of the people, God will take away the wise men and give them foolish princes. Does that sound familiar to anybody? I mean, it sounds like he's describing today, but this was back in Bible times. If we don't get to the root of an issue, it will continue to cycle over and over and over. We can dress up the pig, y'all, but it's still going to get messy. It's still going to roll around in the slop. It's still going to have issues. It's still going to get all sloppy and dirty. But there's a reason for it. There's a reason why pigs get messy. Do you know pigs have a limited number of sweat glands and they don't sweat? So they roll around in the water so that they can stay hydrated and keep cool. And then when the mud dries on them, it stops them from getting sunburned. There's a reason. If we, once we know the reason, we know why and understand. We understand. We can work on it. You know you can house train pigs. What? Anybody got a pig that you want to admit to? All right. (laughs) Until we learn what the cause is, we won't know why it's happening. We will not be able to correct it. Medical issues. That's another thing. Some of us have dealt with things for years. Man, we've had medical issues. We've had problems. We've gone to doctor after doctor, test after test, and they just can't seem to find the issue. Until they find the one thing that's causing it, they can't fix it. All they can do is mask it. I had an experience like that several years back. I was going through, and I had test after test. I mean, they had probes in my head. I lost a lot of good ideas back then. I'm really I thought they extracted them dudes. I couldn't think another good idea for weeks, man. I'm like, I want them back. So they tested me time after time and all these things happened and they couldn't find it. And I removed all kinds of stuff out of my diet, but there was this one little pill, one little pill that I've been taking. And I've been taking it for years. And all of a sudden I said, you know what? I'm gonna try, I'm just gonna take that out. And sure enough, that was the cause. I'm talking months of in and out of the hospital, test after test, scan after scan, 
But all it was was one little thing that was causing all this commotion. Until we find the source, we'll never know what's causing it and we can fix it. Culture is trying to redefine the family so it no longer resembles God's design. Did you hear me? Culture is trying to redesign the family so it no longer resembles God's design. It is crucial that we model godly parenting and marriages to the next generation so we can see God's plan in action. Amen? I believe we can change the direction that we're headed, but we have to follow God's plan. And here you go, parents. I really believe you are the key. You are the key of changing the direction we're headed. You might be thinking, well, that's too much pressure, man. That's too much pressure. Listen to this. Kids don't need perfect parents. They need purposed parents who will search out and apply God's plan for their home. I'm going to read it again. Kids don't need perfect parents. They need purposed parents who will search out and apply God's plan for their home. How many of your parents in here? By show of hands, how many of your parents? Nice. Look at all the parents. How many of your grandparents? Show of hands, grandparents. Nice. How many would like to be a parent? I'm looking at this section right here. All right. Very good. How many have influence on somebody younger than you? That's all of us. This message is for all of us. We got you covered. Nice job. Psalms 127.3 says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. See, there's a reason God gives us children. There's a reason. If you would, turn with me to Genesis 126. We're going to take it back to the beginning and find out what the reason why God gives us children. Genesis 1:26 says, "Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth." Now I'm going to take a sermon time out right here. Sermon time out. I don't know if y'all do that in this side. We do it in the back. Some time out. Some people have squirrel moments, right? Squirrel. Anybody? Squirrel moments. I had me a little squirrel moment right there when I read that. Every creeping thing that creeps. Yo. Think about it. <laughs> I mean, check yourself, right? Every creeping thing that creeps. My mind, of course, this mind is going everywhere when I read that. Every creeping thing that All we got to do is turn on the TV. We see some creeping things that creep. Have you ever been around somebody and say, they kind of creep me out? I know what it's talking about. I know it's talking about the critters of the ground, but that's where my mind goes in the squirrel moment. But I begin to research it a little bit. I begin to dive in a little more. And I looked at Luke 10, 19, and it says this, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, creeping things, right? And over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Come on, y'all. 
We, in Jesus' name, we have been given dominion and authority over every creeping thing that creeps. Are you hearing me today? See, the devil, he's a liar. And he's going to try to creep his way into your home, to your thoughts. He's going to try to creep his way into your family. But God today is telling us he has given us dominion over every creeping thing that creeps. Can somebody say amen? amen? I was getting excited when I saw that. I said, yo, every creeping thing that creeps, dominion over I was getting, I'm like, somebody should make that a shirt. I'm like, that should be a t-shirt, right? So I did it. I did it. I'm like, I can do that. So I did it. So when I say dominion, you say over every creeping thing, dominion. Dominion. All right, all right, all right. Here we go. Dominion over every creeping thing that creeps, y'all. Come on. Okay, we're back into the sermon. Here we go. <laughs> Genesis 1, and 28 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Y'all got to be quicker than that, y'all. We're going to be here all morning. <laughs> over every fish of the sea and over the birds of heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth, God gives us children for a reason. See, we are created in God's image. And he wants us to be fruitful and multiply. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. All right. See, his plan for us is to be, reproduce his image in our kids, not ours. You know, some of the worst things to show up at an outdoor barbecue or, a, a, you know, a meal on the ground, something like that, are ants. I'm not talking about your daddy and your mama's sister either. But in some cases, I'm just saying, we'll put a pin in it and leave it right there. That's up to you, all right? One of the worst things to show up is ants, those little creeping things, man. Have you ever seen them walk in a line? Have you ever seen that? They walk in, they march in the line. I mean, if I walk out and I'm just like, look at them go right there. Look. I got fast ants at my house. They walking by in a line. And I was wondering why, so I went to research, why do ants walk in a line? Well, what they do is they send out a scout, right? The scout ant. Everybody say scout ant. They send out the scout, and the scout goes to look for a source to bring back to the colony. And when he finds the source, he lays down a pheromone trail. Ooh, I'm getting big words on you now. Pheromone trail, right? He lays down a pheromone trail so that other ants can follow it so they can find the source. So the ants follow the trail so they can find the source. But me being me, I rub my foot across the line. And what happens? The ants that are ahead of my foot keep headed to the source. But the ones that were behind my foot lose their mind. You ever watch that happen? I mean, they just start going in circles. They bumping into each other. They can't find where they're going because they lost the path to the source. They've lost the path to the source because I've come in 
and I've rubbed out the line. Are you with me? Chaos ensues. They're so close, but they can't find where they're headed. I kind of see that as the picture of the family today. We parents are working to provide and trying to fulfill dreams and set a path for our kids to follow. But the enemy comes in, that creeping thing, and he crosses the line. Parents keep our nose to the grind in pursuit of better things to come, unaware of what's happening behind us. We have lost the purpose of why God has given us kids, and we've become distracted. But we have dominion! Yeah, you got it. Our kids have lost the trail to the things of God and are left wondering and searching for something to pursue. The enemy, that creeping thing, knows that if he can keep parents in consistent pursuit of the future and looking forward, the divide will get bigger and bigger as he tries to lead our children down the wrong path. The devil knows that the family is God's plan through which he is reproducing the kingdom. That's why he's declared war on the family. But we have dominion. Come on, somebody. I really want you to get that in your spirit today. I pray you say that all week long. You have dominion over every creeping thing. Come on. But the interesting fact about the ants is the bigger the source at the end, the more pheromone trail the scouts are going to lay down. Every ant that follows is also going to lay down a trail. So the trail gets stronger and stronger and stronger. Church, if we lead our kids to the source, that trail is going to get stronger and they're going to lead their kids to the source. And soon enough, everybody in our line is going to make it to the source because we've laid down a trail that cannot be rubbed out. Come on, somebody give me an amen. God is calling us as parents to lead the way with our kids, to lay out that path so they can always find the source. We need to lead and instruct them in the way of the Lord, to teach them his word and how to discern his spirit. That's important. Teach them how to discern his spirit. I know some of you are thinking, well, Pastor Troy, I don't even know how to discern the spirit. That's all right. We're going to get you there. We're going to get you there. All right. If you have been in church for a while or been around adults with bad kids in a grocery store, you've probably heard Proverbs 22, 22.6 quoted, and it says this, train up a child in the way they should go. Anybody ever heard that? Yeah. Train up a child in the way they should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Even though Proverbs is not a book of promises, it's a great scripture to hold close. Like the old song says, every promise in the book is mine, every chapter, every verse, every line, all are blessings of his love divine. Some of your children have chosen to walk away from the faith. You have raised them, you've taught them things of God, you've been holding on to that scripture. Don't stop holding on. Don't stop holding on. And I'm going to tell you why, church. Come on. Yeah. I'm going to tell you why. Because Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active. Listen to me, church. I'm going to read that again. For the word of God is alive and active. In fact, say that with me. Alive and active. 
The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Isaiah 48 says, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Though they may have walked away, church, Though they may have walked away, they cannot depart from it because years of depositing scriptures into your children are alive and active and working. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. The years you deposited into your children are alive and active and working. It's working. It's working. You say, well, I don't see it. Well, even when I don't see it. Even when I don't see it. Come on, somebody. If one sentence from the master, Lazarus, come forth, can bring a dead man back to life, certainly the embers of a childhood filled with scriptures can be rekindled in your sons and in your daughters, and their spirits can catch fire again. Don't give up. Don't give up, church. We are right there. Don't give up. Just like the song says, even when I don't see it, he's working. Here's our responsibility as parents. Children don't always do what they're told, but they will do what they see. Children won't always do what they're told, but they will do what they see. Our responsibility as parents is more than just getting them to church. Come on, somebody. It's more than just bringing them here. If we are to raise up the next generation, it will take time, attention, investment, and training. It will, from all of us. We all have a part to play in this. Even if you don't have a child right now, you have a part to play in this because that neighbor child may never walk into the doors of a church. His parents may never bring him there. Her parents may never bring him to church, but they got you. They got you. You live right next door and you got the gift of God within you and you can share the love of Jesus. All you got to do is be a willing vessel and watch what God will use you to do. Somebody with me say amen. amen. We must be intentional about passing on the things necessary for kingdom success. We're always intentional about passing on things to our children for financial success, for relations success, for work ethic, for education success. We need to get to the place where we're intentional about passing on the things for kingdom success. Here's a quote from one of my favorite speakers. It says this, just because you model how to follow Jesus in your kids is not a guarantee that they will. But if you don't model him, it is a guarantee they won't. Yeah. Pastor Sam. You know, I was reading about kings and kingdoms and the heir apparent, and they would receive special treatment and training from a young age. Uh, they would be surrounded by success that would install leadership mindsets and skills to prepare them to ascend to the throne. They were given everything that they needed to be a success. They were getting prepared for something special, the takeover. They were getting prepared to sit in the throne and be ready to go. They were given all the tools needed. God is a kingdom and our children have a special place in it, church. God is a kingdom and our children have a special place in it. And God wants us to help them get there. 
It would require you and I doing our part to give them what they need to live a victorious Christian life. Come on, somebody. Once our children have accepted Jesus' salvation, Romans 8, 16, and 17 says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we might also share in his glory. You see, church, God doesn't have any grandchildren. He doesn't have any grandchildren. There's not a junior version of God in the Holy Spirit. We are all his kids. My kids are his kids. Your kids are his kids. Their kids are his kids. We all become heirs and joint heirs with Jesus to the kingdom. We all have a part to play in this. We all have a part to play. 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. One of the biggest reasons we're losing young people out of the church is the home is no longer a place where faith is transferred. Now, some of you in here are doing an amazing job, so please don't think I'm doing this, but I'm talking about as a culture. As a culture, the home is no longer a place where faith is transferred. We want a family-friendly God, but God wants a God-friendly family. We try to make God fit our mold. We try to make God fit our way of doing things. We want him to come to our schedule, and God knows we have busy ones, right? We want him to fit our schedule, but God said, no, 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 no. I need you to fit my plan. I need you to fit my schedule. Because when you do that, that's where you walk in the fullness of what I have for you. Come on, somebody. We need to make sure we are God-friendly families. God wants families to follow his plan without compromise and focus on accomplishing the thing of king, his kingdom plan. The primary purpose of our home should be to evangelize and disciple our kids. The primary purpose of our home should be to evangelize and disciple our kids. The church's job is to supplement the training of our children. Our children should be getting more spiritual food than what they receive on Sundays and Wednesdays. Listen to this. If we fed our children physical food only twice a week, legally, that would be considered neglect. it would be considered neglect. Now, church, please hear me today. God's not calling you out. He's not. He's calling you up. He's not calling you out today. He's calling you up. Some of you are letting the, the creeping thing creep in your thoughts right now. It's like, oh, I can't do this. I can never make that happen. I don't have time. I don't know enough Bible knowledge to do this, Pastor Troy. What are you doing? Why are you, why are you putting this kind of pressure on me? I'm not putting pressure on you because you have dominion. 
God is calling you up. Just like in the minor leagues, you are there. You are playing ball. You are in the game. But you got a phone call this morning and God says, hey, it's time to come into the big leagues. I'm calling you up. I'm calling you up. I'm putting you in. It's time for you to step it up. Come on, somebody. Get that hitting average up. Let's get in the game. We got dominion. Stay with me now. Stay with me. Here's some key ingredients right here. We're going to mix it up. Here's some key ingredients for a godly home. Number one, work on you. Be a living example of God to them. You can't lead them where you've never been, church. Work on you. Be here on Sundays. You're here. I'm preaching to the choir. You're here. Work on you. Develop the God inside of you, the spirit inside of you. Just feed it. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Work on you. The best witness our kids will see of God's goodness is the one we live in front of them every day. The one we live in front of them every day. They can look at me and I can be a good witness for them. They can look at pastors. They can be, all the pastors here can be a great witness for them. Mentors, coaches, teachers, all those people can be a great influence. But the best influence that our kids will see for a victorious life in God is the one they see in you. Because they see you in the ups and the downs. They see you in the wins and the losses. And how you handle each one of those situations shows them the God that you serve is bigger than all of it. He's with you in the victory. He's with you in the defeat. Come on, somebody. God is bigger than that. And the God that we serve should be what we are using as an example to our children. We cannot model inconsistency consistently and expect something different from our children. We cannot model inconsistency consistently and expect something different from our children. Have you ever noticed yourself doing something that your parents did? All right, we're making it personal now. Have you ever noticed you're doing something you're It's nothing they taught you. It's just something you picked up along the way. Huh? Anybody's ever known a walk, a gesture, something that you do, where you say something that your parents did. They didn't even talk like my dad. Love you, dad. Know you're watching. Love you, mom. And he knows I'm telling this story because he's probably doing it right now. <laughs> my dad had a way of listening to us when we were telling him something. He came up with the head kickstand. It's his own invention. I've never seen anybody else do it. Maybe you do it, I don't know. He would take his thumb and he would stick it under his chin, like this. Then he would take his pointer finger and he would raise it to the side of his eye. And then he would roll the fingers over the mouth and put his elbow on the table as he listened to us tell him a story. Now, he never gave me a class Troy, here's how you listen. You become a good listener by taking your thumb, sticking it under the chin. Take your pointer finger, put it by the edge of your eye, roll the fingers over, and look intently into the person's eyes. I never got that class. But one day, one day I was there, and I was, I was talking to my children, and I got to the table, and I was like this. And I had the epiphany, I was like... Ah, ah. 
I had become my father. I love you, dad. I had become my father. But the cool thing is that's not only the, the only thing that I got from my parents. I watched my father study his Bible at his desk at night. I could come down the hall and when his door was. His door was cracked open. I could see him at his desk studying his Bible. I watched my mom write letters to God in forms of prayers. And then write down the responses as God gave her answers. They lived that life. They showed me the source. Mom, dad, thank you. Because you showed me the source, I'm standing here today talking to all these people and the people around the world, sharing the love of Jesus because you led the way. You led the way, and I am so grateful for what you did for me. In my young years, I used to run a little hot. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I used to run a little hot. My temperature would get a little warm. In case you don't have anger problems, okay? <laughs> I, had, I ran a little hot. In my, I know some of you that know me are like, no, this is news to me, Pastor Troy. I did. And I had a delivery job where I deliver packages, one delivery services, and it, it was very stressful. You had to be a certain place at a certain time. You had to pick up at a certain time. You had to be across town, back town. Ah! You know? And I'd get home and I was frustrated. And I modeled that in front of my kids, unfortunately. And one day, Sabrina, my daughter, three or four years old, was cooking at her little, you know, little tyke's oven. She was having it. I came home from work. And I was in the kitchen talking to my wife. And all of a sudden, we heard a, and we walk in and she flipped. The oven over. I never got to the bottom of what the issue was, but she flips it over like that. The oven went flying. The food went flying. The pans went flying. And we talked and we calmed her down, but God showed me in that moment that I was modeling something that I shouldn't be modeling to my kids. That she was acting that out. Now, I want to go on record. I've never flipped over an oven. All right, let's just get this clear. I've never done it. I maybe closed the cabinet a little too hard, you know, complained a little too much, but I never flipped over an oven. So your children are safe, okay? I just want to let you know. We're good. We're good. All right. She witnessed my frustration and my dealings with it. Um, and in that moment, God showed me the unhealthy things that I was transferring to my children. I mean, I love Jesus, but what I was modeling was something contrary to what I should be doing. It wasn't the witness that I wanted to show my kids. It wasn't what I wanted to display to them. It wasn't the Jesus that I should be showing them inside of me. I made it a goal at that time to be the same dad at churches as I was at home. I would be consistent in my life. The worst thing we can do for our kids is to raise a hallelujah on Sunday and something else during the week. That's the worst thing we can do for our kids, church. They need consistency. If you work on you and grow in the things of God, the atmosphere in your home will begin to transform. Here's number two. Pray for your children. Though the prayer at bedtimes are awesome and God's doing some great things filled with tenderness and love, I challenge you today to bombard heaven for your kids. One night Braxton was 
He went to bed a little early and he was in there and the lights were out. He had been in there a couple hours and I just felt this overwhelming need to go pray for my son. So I walked in his dark room and it was total blackness and I began to pray and I was quiet, y'all. I was quiet and make a noise, right? But I, I had an intercessory bombardment going on just like that. I was quiet, but man, I was getting it. And about 10 minutes of me doing that, getting after it for my son, I hear, Dad, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm praying for you, son. It's kind of creepy. Wasn't my best parenting moment to walk around a black figure in his room, quiet. But God wants us to pray over our children. Let them hear you pray. Pray out loud. See, church, the enemy is praying on our kids. We need to be praying over our kids. Come on, somebody. We're always ready to defend our kids. Sporting events. My mouth is all over my son's videos of his sporting events. Oh, Blue, that was a horrible call. What do you mean, travel? I'm, I can't deny it. It's all over the videos, right? Fight for my kids. Teacher says something about your child. You're setting up a parent-teacher conference. You're ready to go. You're ready to defend your kids. But why, when the devil messes with our kids, do we go silent? Why do we go silent? That's when we should amp it up. We should be fighting more in the spiritual than we do in the physical for our children. Number three, discipline. Proverbs 29, 15 says to discipline a child produces wisdom, but a mother disgraced by the mother is disgraced by the undisciplined child. Proverbs 3:12 says, For the Lord corrects those who he loves, just as the father corrects a child whom he delights in. See, his discipline is designed to bring us to a place of repentance. Repentance is a turning away of wrong, to turn around, to change your mind. And should our discipline should also be the same. Our discipline should always come from a place of helping them grow. When you say, uh, We should always get to that place, church. It's not about winning the argument. It's about making sure they get it and they grow. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Serious. Before you say that next thing, check yourself. Make sure it's not out of spite, out of anger, to demoralize your child. Make sure it's all intent to have them grow, amen? Little thing about discipline. Sometimes we like to discipline ourselves and we think it's a spiritual thing. And I just want to encourage you. Don't ever discipline your child someday in the room and read the Bible and equate that with punishment. If you've ever said, go to your room, read your Bible, you're punished. You don't have to raise hands. I'm not here to embarrass nobody. <laughs> but it's going to be hard for our children to see the Bible in any other way but a disciplinary tool. But it is a life-giving map to victory. And that's what we want our kids to see when they see God's word. Amen? 
God disciplines. He's slow to anger. Numbers 14, 18. The Lord is slow to anger and filled with all loving kindness. He is patient. Uh, Psalms 86, 15. But the Lord is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And he is forgiving. Daniel 9, 9. We need to teach them, number four, some daily giving habits. Bring your child on the journey with you, church. Don't just walk it alone. Get them involved. Number one, reading God's word. Be a part of reading God's word together. And kids, first, we came up with a Bible reading plan called Life Juice. We got two years of it. It's uh, 365 scriptures with 52 topics, seven each, okay? And it gives you a sheet to break down the scripture. Just get involved with your kids. Learn scriptures. Break them down. It's very easy for you to do. It's free to you. You can get it on the Grand Rapids First app or our Kids First Facebook page. It's available. Getting your God's word together. Prayer time. Make sure you're praying over your kids and you're praying together over each other's needs. Don't just pray for them. Let them pray for you. Take it from me, a children's pastor. Your kids can pray. Your kids can pray. Let them pray for you. It'll bless you. I'm telling you right now. It'll bless you. Pray together. Worship. Put a time of worship together in your home. Man, put on some worship, some wind and embers. Just listen. Let God move. God's going to do incredible things. It's amazing how the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. It's almost like he put it in the Bible. He did, in case you didn't know. Maybe consider adding some visuals in your home, like a scripture or a picture. I remember one time, me and the kids, we painted a big size four by six painting of Jesus on the cross. Had the crown, it was kind of abstract. I mean, we thought it was great. We hung it in our house. Two salesmen came to the door, knocked on the door. And as they were trying to sell me something, one of the salesmen says, oh, cool, dude, you got Bob Marley on your wall. <laughs> the other salesman hits him on the arm and said, oh, man, that's Jesus. Automatically, I knew which kid went to church and which one didn't. <laughs> Put some things in your church that remind you who's in control of your home. Prioritizing spiritual health in your home is an investment opportunity you cannot pass up. Teach your kids to serve, church. We've got so many opportunities to serve right here at Grand Rapids First. Teach your kids to give. Don't just write the check. Man, BGMC is coming up. Everybody's going to get a box as you walk out the door. Mission Sunday is coming up. Work together to make it happen. Let them know what God's challenged you with. Speed the light. Studio 33.3. Don't just write the check. Get them involved. Tell them what God is challenging with as a family and do it together. You're building life-giving habits inside of them. Each time we bring them on the journey with us. When we teach them to focus on more than just the needs in the home, we teach them to be kingdom-minded. First Samuel 16, and we hear the story of how this prophet Samuel is going to anoint the new king, David. Saul had messed up and he turned away from God. And so Jesus, ah, God said, nah, ah, 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 we ain't doing that no more. I got a new king. So he talks to Samuel and he sends him to Jesse's house. And as, as he shows up to Jesse's house, I mean, could you imagine what Jesse felt like in that moment? Could you imagine? One of my kids is going to be anointed the next king. I mean, we got selfies. We got cameras rolling when they just get a little bitty ribbon. Could you imagine how he felt to know that his child, one of his kids was going to be the next king? 
If social media was around that day, he would have been all over it. One of his kids was giving anointed the next king. So he's excited. He lines his boys up. Come on, boy. Come on, boy. Get up in here. He's ready. Got big boy number one. He's ready to go. He's like, oh, this has this got to be the one. Look at that chiseled chin he's got. I mean, I would think he looked like the rock, you know, the eyebrow up and everything. He's ready, man. He's going to be the next king. This has got to be the guy. Samuel looks at him and said, God said, nope, that's not him. Samuel goes to the next one. Nope, that's not him. He goes, nah, not him. He goes through all seven boys that Jesse lined up and God denied all of them. And Jesse was like, I don't know what's wrong with the prophet. I think he's broken. <laughs> Something like that, right? It's like, Samuel said, you got any more? He said, well, yeah, I got the little one. He's out in the field. Samuel said, go get him. We won't even sit down until he gets back. So sure enough, they get David. As soon as he walks in the room, God said, that's the one. Jesse must have been an incredible father to have one of his kids picked to be the new king. But he failed his son that day. He was looking through his eyes and not God's eyes. See, God's got something special for each and every one of our children. And it's my job and your job to make sure every one of our kids makes their appointment to be anointed. Come on, somebody. God's got a special gift for them. God's got something for them to do. And it's up to you and me to make sure that they get to their appointment to be anointed. Because after their anointment comes the appointment. And God's got something for them. But if they don't make that a... We got to take it serious, church. This is why God gave us kids. To reproduce his kingdom. Who knows what he's got for your son or your daughter? Don't overlook them. See what God sees in them and pull it out of them. Come on, somebody. Come on.